0: Wow. Well, I guess we're in meditation a little longer than I thought. Yeah. Um. Oh, all right. I needed that. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of trying to look inside and see where I want to start. I think I could use more med- meditation. <laughs> I'm still a little bit wired, but calming down, that's for sure. It's kind of nice, because I know a lot of, you know, that's a lot of how people look at meditation now, is a way to kind of relax, calm down, find that center and peacefulness. and definitely was for that for me today, because as I kind of rushed in here sweating and all wired, I felt like I was super hyped up on caffeine or something, <laughs> and I literally feel racy at times, and it makes me think about all the stories I hear about people saying in the world how they're running around and always so stressed out and, you know, trying to make ends meet and now having to have COVID on top of it. But such is life. There's always something to deal with. and you know, eventually we've got to find those ways to take care of ourselves, however that is. And a lot of times we'll start on a physical level, like with diet and exercise, and, and then some of us might, you know, find support groups or therapies or counselings to help with the mental and emotional level. And then eventually we find ourselves being drawn towards the spiritual level. And for those of us on embarking upon that journey, more spiritually is where we begin to find that essence of spirit not only infiltrate through the consciousness and all these other levels within ourselves, but literally begin to embrace and envelop all of that. And after a while we begin to see that really that soul essence and that movement of loving within us it's almost like a cocoon. It's often been referred to like an egg that we're we're kind of wrapped up in the egg and it's that body of light, if we can call it that, in which we really are all enveloped in God's loving. And it is that loving that literally brings us back to that center in that place of peace that really everybody knows about and everybody really wants and looks for, but simply have lost track of how to get there, let alone where is it, but also how do we get there? But yet we know we're seeking for that. We know there's something missing. We go looking, wanting that. And not even understanding that, we'll look for it in the physical. Just like I mentioned, a lot of times we'll start with diet and exercise, or therapies and counseling to handle and balance our, our belief systems, our thoughts, our feelings, our anxieties, our stressors, how to cope with life. That's a lot of what we deal with. And I I know a lot of people who even started this journey with us in ILM of this spiritual pathway, they did it because of some big stressor in the world, like when it was 9-11 back in the day, or COVID now, I know more people are showing up. It's often those big traumatic experiences, especially when they're on a global level like that, but really just even on an individual level, when we are challenged in life, and it often creates a sense of panic or fear, that usually is what it takes for us to really take a greater action to find that which is going to support us and take care of ourselves on every level. It's funny because nowadays, I mean, I don't read nearly as much as I used to years ago, but the little bit I do read, I see so much out there now just on news feeds and different handles, I guess they call them, and social media sites and all that. I see meditation out there referred to quite a lot. But it's funny because the main way I see it referred to, well, I shouldn't say the main way, a couple of ways, but one of the main ways is I see it as a stress reduction tool that a lot of people will start to meditate just for that reason, for their health, not only physically but mentally and emotionally, and to, you know, bring themselves back to that centered, peaceful place and there's so many scientific studies now, medical studies, you know, where they hook up the things to the brain, all the electrodes and wires and measure the brain waves in the different centers of the brain when they meditate, the different lobes. Um, I've seen I've seen more of that happening. Which in a way I think is really cool because it literally is showing there is something that goes on even on that physical or physiological level, that when we do meditate. But what's interesting to me is how much there's still not, I shouldn't say there's not that much discussion, but maybe a lack of empirical evidence that people are trying to find in those scientific studies of what is really going on in the consciousness. They're measuring the physical and physiological response to it, and the brainwaves and all but that spiritual component. What's really going on to create when they're measuring all the brain waves and the different lobes of the brain? What's actually causing that? That they can measure. But yet there's not instrumentation to be able to measure that movement of consciousness that is causing the physical response. To me that's the more interesting part the little bit I've seen out there, that I don't hear the scientists too much pursuing that question, let alone even asking that question. But the ones that I do hear that often talk about it as a state of consciousness, often dealing with the mind, or non-locality, all these things with quantum physics, non-locality, a holographic universe that all points in time and space exist in once, and we can tap into it anywhere, no matter where we are. There's all kinds of different scientific theories out there now that I've been hearing about, and find them quite fascinating, and science is actually finding a level of truth with a lot of that now. But yet, I'm still waiting to hear the scientists to really start questioning well, where does consciousness even come from? <laughs> what is this thing that we even call consciousness, or even mind for that matter? What is the mind even? And I'm kind of laughing in a way because I find it kind of funny that people can get so focused on this and in their inquiries and discovery but yet at the same time the lack of questioning on that deeper level because a lot of people are just afraid to even use the word spiritual because most people put it in as a connotation dealing with religion like you know the battle of science and religion and to me there's none of that it's really it's not a battle there's not a duality of science and religion but yet that's what a lot of the mind the man will make it But what if there really is the spiritual, a spiritual perspective that we just can't really tap into or find through the mind or science or religion for that matter? Because a lot of what I've seen in religion even is it's often based upon belief systems or dogmas and rituals, um, faith and trust, which is wonderful because we need that to really move forward. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could really walk a spiritual journey, a spiritual path with empirical evidence? But what if that empirical evidence is spiritually based? And because it is spiritually based, it is not something that can be measured or detected through the mind, the emotions, imagination, or body. And there, and often lies the challenge. Because if it cannot be detected through the outer senses that man is so used to, often we don't believe. Even that's the thing, we don't believe. Well, it can't be scientifically proven, so therefore I don't believe it. And even when somebody does see something, well, what is that? I'll believe it when I see it. But then when somebody sees it, They start even doubting their belief there, like, oh, that must be something my imagination created. Oh, that must have been a hallucination. Oh, it was just a dream. Yeah, maybe it's a lucid dream, and my God, it seems so real, but it was just a dream. And such is the folly of the mind as it always has been. But where do we go from there? Even asking the uh, deeper scientific questions, like we hear now about dark matter and dark energy, the beginning of the universe, was it really the Big Bang or is there something else I've seen other scientific journals talking about now? But who's even asked, well, where does even dark matter and dark energy come from? How did that begin? Where did the Big Bang even begin? What even caused or created that? Who's asking those questions? How do we discover and prove that? Well, at some point, when you dig deep enough and ask the right questions, actually I think that was the title of last month's talk, asking or answering the deeper questions. When we ask those right questions is when it can open the doors to really go to those deeper states of awareness where we can get the greater clarity in answers that we're seeking but we have to be open to greater possibility than what the mind emotions or body can present we've got to be open to maybe there's something beyond science that's why I even refer to science even all this quantum and non-locality that is talked about a lot now or holographic universe because it's taking a lot to expand the mind to even get to those higher advanced states of science or physics But even beyond that, can we even open up? Not just expand our minds, but literally open so that there's no ceiling. Because even expansion still has ceilings and walls. But if we can truly open things up, just like we hear about opening our hearts and opening our minds, that maybe there's something even beyond even expansion on those levels. And that's really the greater spiritual journey that eventually we're going to seek after and ask those questions. Often it's referred to as, where did I come from? Where am I going? What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Who am I really? They say to know ourselves, to be true to ourselves. Who am I that really is the true self? or the self to be true too. That's the deeper search, that at some point on our journey, when I say our, I mean the soul's journey, not just this body, not just this even lifetime. At some point on our soul's journey, we're going to begin to ask those questions and to seek out those answers. And that's what we're doing here in these gatherings that we share about in Interlight Ministries, those are the questions not only do we attempt to answer, and really I only say attempt, is because what we do here is just giving words. The words, to me, they just give description, direction, and idea. But if those words are not based upon experience, where we literally have the experience of what the words represent, It's a fantasy. And that's something important to be clear with. Is it fantasy or is it reality? Well, our experience is what we need to look to. Some people will call that subjective, but what I have found is that the true spiritual experience, there is a level of subjectivity, but in truth, it's very objective. It's just that there's these levels, dimensions, realms of consciousness that are beyond the level of understanding or objectivity that the mind has a capacity for here. And therein is the challenge. And why at some point we need to be able to let go of the mind, to let go of our thoughts, our beliefs. Because they're all limited. We only know or think we know for that matter or understand based upon it our limited beliefs. But even a lot of those limited beliefs, may, some of them may come out of experience. But maybe those experiences are very limited themselves. So until we are willing to go beyond those limitations and open up to a greater experience, how are we going to even... Find that empirical evidence. We've got to be willing to open up, move beyond our fears of the unknown to allow ourselves the opportunity to experience something beyond all of this physicality or mentality. And therein is the greater journey spiritually that we do share here in ILM. And not just the words as the saying to describe it, which we do here, obviously, in our talks and when we do the Q&A. But that's why we even start our programs with the meditation because we know this journey is experientially based and we need to have experience. So we start right off with meditation because we know that meditation is the way to move into experience that we can begin to open up, as I'm just describing, to have spiritual experience that is beyond the mind, emotions, imagination, and body. And that's what we're attempting to do in meditation, is to really open up and experience that which we may call God and spirit and soul. That we may have our own personal experience of who we are, what God is, what that essence of spirit is, that is loving, that is life itself. So we need a way, we need guidance, we need direction. Something that we can apply and take tangible steps to do that. Because if we don't have a direction to go, we just sit in wonderment. Not moving, we stagnate because we don't know which direction to go. We don't know what to do. Just like anything, any endeavor, we need to learn, we need to have a tutor, so to speak, to help guide us, to give us an idea, to instruct us, but then maybe even to hold our hand or to walk with us, to have that experience until we are comfortable with it. Why do you think we have schools? First grade, second grade, third grade. We have teachers. We have tutors. We do homework. We ask for assistance when we need it because that's what's required. But it's the same thing here on the spiritual journey. It's no different. It's very practical in that way is that we need that instruction and support to walk the journey of experience, to do our homework, to gain the greater understanding by doing the exercises to have the experience. And if we can just keep it practical like that, that's where, one, we can move it out of the realm of fantasy or just a belief system and begin to move it into and through the application and into experience, spiritual experience, so that we begin to know the reality that is divine that is beyond the physical through our experience and that is the empirical evidence is our own experience and i know this is a challenging one for those of the scientific mind and have to measure it and prove it on the physical level because people would say well that's not empirical evidence that's just your opinion or that's very subjective based upon only your experience But what if everybody who does this begins to have these spiritual experiences? And then if we get enough people doing that, And a lot of people start reporting very similar, even if they're not the same, but a lot of them will even say the same thing, but very similar experiences, even if the details are a little different, just like we can have different dreams or we all look different, but yet we're all human, we're all people, we have a lot of the same functions and the way we do things and believe. Just because we're different here, does that mean objectively? Objectively? that we're not empirically having the same? Isn't the empirical evidence based upon that objectivity where we are the same? But just because we all look different or have a different life experience, does that make it totally subjective? Do you see where I'm going with this? So just like we can say that in the physical, what if we brought that to the spiritual? And we began to approach the spiritual journey, spirituality as we call it, from not only that personal, subjective level, but on a bigger basis, objectively, because it is the same across the board. When enough people do it, and you see enough of the experiences and the similarities and the sameness, you can begin to objectify. In the East, sometimes this pathway we teach here, called the path of sun and light, is actually called the science of the soul, the science of the soul, a spiritual science that scientifically as we apply the teachings, the directions, that we get a predetermined result. And that if we do it enough, we get that same result over and over. And the more we do it, that result then begins to become more of a reality rather than a subjective perspective or belief or idea, but a living reality now because we've experienced it over and over and a lot of other people have. And if we do that enough, it begins to literally build and grow what people would call a group consciousness that would begin to affect and have influence on the surroundings and environment and that again that's another area of scientific proven studies they've had literally groups of monks go to different places where there's high crime rates and do a lot of prayer and that prayer eventually literally brings the crime rates down people done prayer for healing for other things, and it's literally been measured on very objective scientific levels. So we see there's a result, but yet it's hard to measure what is that energy field, that consciousness that takes place while we do these things and create that meditative state that taps us back into, brings us back into not only the source of life, but the experience of our beingness as that source. as that source, ourselves. because most of the time we look at ourselves as separate from, that we are separate from life, that we're participating in life. <laughs> How many times have you've heard, "Go get a life." Well, uh, uh, I'm living, right? I have a life. I'm alive. Yeah, but you're not doing anything, so you're separate from life. Really? See what I mean? Think about that. The words we use so misrepresent the reality or truth of what's going on. Why would I need to go get a life? I can't. My life is my life. I can't go get your life and take your life. You can't take mine. We have to live our own life. We already have a life. Maybe that's what they mean there's only one life to live. (laughs) All of these things that are spoken about, listen, but go beyond your initial interpretation. Begin to look deeper and ask those questions. What does it really mean? Just like the little thing I was playing around with it'll start opening doors within you. But just like my talk last month, you've got to know the, question, the right questions to ask. Ask the deeper questions, not even the right ones. Just start asking deeper questions and eventually it'll get you to the right questions to open the doors, to have the deeper states of truth not only revealed, but again to move into your own personal experience of what that really is where you begin to tap into that source of life, but that you begin to realize your oneness with it and as it. Not something separate from, not something that is born and dies, but something that is eternal and ever in that divine presence of life itself as who we are in our true beingness, as the true self that we may call the soul or the divine spark of God, that is that living, loving essence of the Lord made in the likeness of God. Made in the likeness of God, but in truth never even separate from God. If God is the ocean, And what makes up the ocean but drops of water? And this is how it's often referred to. The beingness of God is often referred to as the ocean of loving, or the ocean of love and mercy. And all the divine sparks are those drops of God's divine beingness that make up the whole ocean. Then how can anything be separate all those drops are what make up the whole ocean that is God. How was that? <laughs> Simple words, really. We can think about it, fantasize about it, philosophize about it, have theoretical discussions about it. What does that really all matter? Wouldn't you rather have the experience of what I'm talking about now? Have the experience so that you know for yourself the reality of what this is. There are so many books now, so many authors that spout off all of this. But what good does it do to just keep reading if we're not applying it and living it and gaining our own experience by doing so? That's the key to all of this, is to apply to gain the experience And that's what we encourage here is the application of those keys to the kingdom to gain the experience. And there's even another one right there. The keys to the kingdom. So you hear me talk about these examples and the questions asked, to open the doors, to open the mind, open the heart, open the whole consciousness to have experience. Well, what if it's more than just opening that? Well, let me start here first. What does it take to open something? If there's a closed door and that door is locked, how are we going to open it? Well, most of us go, well, we need a key. You need a key to unlock the door, to open the door, and then to walk through that open door now and have experience on what's on the other side of that door. And that is what we're doing here spiritually. Think about it. even even in the, the Bible here, with Jesus and the Apostle Peter, what did Jesus say as he was dying? Peter, to you I give the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. What was he talking about? What was he referring to? The keys to the kingdom. Was there like a keychain with all these keys? There's more than one key. He said keys, plural. The keys to the kingdom. Interesting, isn't it? That's where Jim's got all kinds of good stories. When I was a child, And then you would ask those questions and go around seeking the answers and eventually have the inner experience Mm -hmm. after you talk to enough people who didn't have the answers and eventually go inside to get the answers and through spiritual experience. You're going to hear us reference all these things in here time and time again. But the keys to the kingdom, as many of you know, been around for a while, but if you're new and joining us, is a primary action that we work with here in Interlight Ministries. Those keys to the kingdom are also often referred to as the sacred name of God. The Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the sacred hallowed name, the keys to the kingdom. Because without those keys, it's kind of hard to open the doors. I'm not saying it's impossible without the keys, (laughs) but keys definitely make it easier for that rite of passage, so to speak, to open the doors and to walk through. Well, on all these other levels of consciousness, just like we have physical keys and doors here, Well, there's all these other levels of consciousness, realms, dimensions, however you want to call it, that there are doorways that literally we walk through, that we fly through, that the soul needs to journey and move through to have experience in those other places. Just like physically, our body moves around to go places, to travel, to have experience. Same thing for the soul. The soul literally is here in the physical body now, using this as a vehicle to travel around to have physical experience. But then the soul also can now move in other vehicles to have experience in other places. Well, Ruby called it, The door is open, the door is round. This doorway right here, we call the spiritual eye, some people call it the third eye. call it the tenth door, the spiritual door, the seat of the soul. This place here is that first door where we, the soul, need to step through to begin to have now experience, to travel, to journey, to other places. And so the first key we use to open this door, to be able to step through, well, you heard even like Jim shared today, the hue, or the anahue, a sacred, hallowed name of God, often referred to as a spoken name. That as we chant the hue, it is the sound within that name, the frequency, the vibration within that, that is actually the key that opens the door to give free access for the soul to come and go. Because often it's been referred to as this body is a prison. The soul is held in bondage, is trapped within this physical prison until it is given the keys to liberate it, to open the doors so that it is free now to leave this prison. And so that you... That sacred name is that first key to open this door for the soul to begin now to journey beyond this prison and now into another vehicle by which to traverse and have experience, just like we would here physically. And beyond that, there are other keys, the keys to the kingdom, that there are keys for each level of consciousness. There's many levels of consciousness, but there are five main ones, realms, that the soul traverses on the spiritual journey, from the physical all the way into the spiritual, and from the spiritual all the way into the physical. You'll hear us in here describe it over and over as the physical, the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, and the soul, and then the realms of spirit, of where it's all oneness. But that first step of leaving the physical and into the astral, or what we also call the realm of imagination, we have a key, another name, beyond the hue. And then as we traverse through that, there's another realm, the causal or the emotional. So we have another key for that. And then as we continue into the mental realm or the realm of mind, there's the third key to open that door, just like we open this door, another door to step through into another dimension. And then we have the realm of the unconscious or what we call the etheric realm, there is a fourth key and then beyond that there's another doorway into the first true realm that is of spiritual essence not of this physical world of time and space that fifth key that fifth realm is called the soul realm the realm that is our true home of the divine spark of God And where we wake up and experience and know who we are as that living, loving essence of God, the true divine spark or the child that God created us in God's likeness. So there's five keys beyond the physical. The hues the first step, but then these other five keys beyond from the astral, to the causal, to the mental, the etheric, and in the soul to truly wake up and know ourselves as that divine essence. We need those keys to the kingdom, those five keys to the kingdom that are often referred to as the unspoken name of God or the keys to the kingdom. You go look in the Hebrew Bible or more of the first century Christianity and all, you're going to see a lot of references to these keys or the unspoken name of God, the sacred name of God. That's where it's fun to do some research, but more of that that is spiritual rather than all the physical science or psychological science as I was referring to earlier but to really begin the spiritual search in the spiritual science that supports the true spiritual journey. Because that journey is not one that can be objectified, let alone subjective, as much as I was saying earlier, in the physical sense, but is very objective and scientific because of the reality of it spiritually. But that's a whole other subject matter to say the least, that it is much harder to find and to research because it is not physical. So it's harder to find the information out there. Well, why? Because it's not an outer journey. It's an inner journey. What have all the saints, the sages, the masters, the teachers over time always said? To find the kingdom of heaven we must, what? Go within. I always say, go within what? Go into what? Within what? Go within to ourselves. We have to stop looking out here and doing the outer journey and now just Turn around, come back to ourselves, and go within to ourselves. That's why in here you'll hear us talk about go in and up. No matter where you are, if your focus is down here, go in wherever your focus is. I'm hungry right now. Okay, so go in to where you're hungry. And then come on up right here to the seat of the soul that we talk about all the time. Come on up to this door. In and up. And then as we go deeper into meditation, just like Jim guided us in meditation today, even there we go deeper into our consciousness right here. And as we do, that door will open up. We chant the hue. It's the first key that opens that door. Beginning of the journey into the inner kingdom. So we go in and then up. And we begin to lift up and rise above. This physical consciousness as we rise up and step through that doorway into now these other dimensions or frequencies. So we go within into the spirit and rise up in the higher states of consciousness and awareness in frequency. The true keys to the kingdom. And those names are about frequency. They are spiritual frequencies. And as we chant them, that frequency within us opens the doors to these higher states of consciousness. It's all sound and light and frequency, the frequency of sound and light together. We have a sacred name that has a sound frequency and then we have a light that has a light frequency. And it is that light and sound frequency together that picks the locks (laughs) to (laughs) open the doors. But that's the fun part of the journey is practicing this, doing this, walking this. We first have to find the door that's why when we even talk about meditation here, what do we do? We give the instructions. Here's the door. So focus here. Here's the key. The hue. Take the key. Here's the door. Now put the key in the door in the lock and open it. Hue. Hmm. Click. Opens up oh my God, what's that light on the other side of the door? God, it was so dark in here, but man, as soon as that door opened, there's a bright light. Wow, it's kind of bright right now. Kind of taking a while to get used to that. Where's my sunglasses? Then we do it over and over and little by little, just like if it's too bright outside, eventually your eyes kind of adjust to it. That's literally what happens even on a spiritual journey. You'd be surprised how much the spiritual journey a lot of it looks a lot like the physicality here very interesting big difference so when you and yourself can fly through it all <laughs> without needing a rocket ship or a plane or some other vehicle but just yourself flying but that's how simple this is we Describe it, point it out, clarify it step by step. Where the door is, what to do. We share the names. When we talk about initiation in Interlight Ministries, or initiation of the path of sound and light, what that is, is literally just sharing the other names, the other keys, to open up those other doors of consciousness, just like we use the hue here to step out we share those other names, that as you chant those within, it unlocks and opens the other doors, just like the hue does here, so that the soul, who we are, can now continue that journey beyond, into higher and higher realms, to have greater spiritual experience, beyond the physical and beyond the metaphysical. So many people think that the metaphysical or psychic realms are spiritual. Just to clarify here, in ILM, what we call spiritual is the soul and the spirit of God. The true spiritual essence that God is, that the soul is, is what we call spiritual. The other we call physical or metaphysical. That which is of time and space, the physical body, the imagination, the emotions, the mind, the unconscious, subconscious, or as I described those other realms earlier, those are all the physical dimension of time and space. The great void, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form. That earth that is void and without form is all this, that we call physical or metaphysical. So we've got to walk through all the doors through the metaphysical to go into the spiritual. But truly, all that is spiritual that is here physically is us, the soul. That is the spirit that is within the vessel that is physical. So enough of that. Enough of the the details of That physicality and the divine spark or living essence in the the pot, the jar, the vehicle. On to something else. The sacred name, the keys to the kingdom, the meditation, the spiritual journey, the spiritual walk, the path of sound and light, the loving essence of God, God's grace, the, the spiritual kingdom, the inner kingdom. That pathway of sound and light what is all of this why are we doing this who are we to do this what's this really all about good questions brian (laughs) and now jim will answer those (laughs) and so will i i feel like i say the same stuff every class It's all about experience. There's always the keys to the kingdom. It's all through meditation. It's a spiritual science. Hmm, what have we missed? Can we describe it a different way? We probably got new people watching us today, so they're probably going, who are these guys? What more could I tell you today? Let me see, I'm not really thinking, I'm just looking like I'm thinking. Freedom of the soul, that's another approach we can take. That is often another reference to this pathway. As I mentioned earlier, that often this body or physical consciousness is referred to as a prison. Another thing it's referred to is a tomb or a cave in which the soul enters and gives life. I mean, it's so funny because really what we share in here is just pointing out the practicality in the simplicity and ordinariness of what is actually going on in life, in life, as well as what people would call behind it all or through it all. think about it, even the body. It is born and it dies. So what is it that gives the body life and takes the life away? Or, is it life itself that comes into the body in life itself, that leaves the body. So then, if that's the case, is there birth and death? Or is there just life in the continuous movement of that life? That is what, and I say attempt a lot here, that is what we attempt to describe, to give voice to, to focus on that in hopes the clarity we can give might bring greater understanding to help the mind open, to help the heart open, to release and open up that which is trapped within it, that soul who we are, that life essence itself that is imprisoned through these limitations the mind places, the emotions entangle the imagination adheres to and the physical body just closes off. That is, we enter in and all the doors shut and everything goes dark in which we find ourselves imprisoned now within this tomb that is a cave that there is a stone covering that doorway that we find it hard to maneuver to move about because there's no light or maybe there's a dim light we find a candle or maybe not even that maybe that even takes time as we call it the inner light but as we the soul come into here and begin to move into the greater depths of darkness, where we truly experience the feeling of imprisonment or separation from God, and that essence of loving, and the knowing of who we truly are and our oneness. That's the experience here. That's why it looks and sounds and feels like death as we close off and experience being alone and shut off and shut down from everyone and everything? Because that's really what happens as we come into this physical consciousness. begins when we come out of the realms of spirit, down into the mind, as we keep descending into the pit of hell, literally descending through the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and finally into a physical body that descent gets darker and darker, like going to the bottom of an ocean. It's all light at the top, but the deeper you go, the darker it gets. Until so you get down to the bottom floor, you need a light to see anything. And so we're just stumbling about, trying to find our way, feeling our way around. Hoping we don't die or hurt (laughs) ourselves at the least? Tripping over things? Or in this world, what do we do? Trying to figure out what I want to do with my life? What's life about? Do I want to get married and have kids? What kind of a career do I want? (laughs) What do you think all those questions are about? It's actually stumbling our way along the, the ocean floor of life here in that darkness because of the unknown we don't know we don't know because it's dark and we find ourselves entrapped I was going to say embalmed (laughs) yeah eventually we become embalmed too as the body dies or shall we say we recycle it and go get a new one (laughs) am I just rambling now? Believe me, we could ramble for hours about all these things. But we'll save some of it for Q&A. But truly, that's a lot of what we experience as a soul, as it comes into this creation that literally is referred to as hell. Because it really is. As we come out of the realms of spirit into this hell creation it is of darkness, unknowing, and fear. That darkness and unknowing is fear-based. And that is what keeps us trapped. That is the trap that keeps the soul here. As we go into the darkness, that shuts off our knowing. When we're in the realms of spirit and one with God, it's all-knowing. We know our oneness. We know who we are. We know what God is. We know our oneness with God. But as we descend into the greater darkness, become encapsulated in it, we lose sight of that. We forget. So I guess we do become embalmed. (laughs) And that's where we find ourselves, in that great fear, that fear that entraps and imprisons the soul, the truth of who we are. The soul on its journey through this creation of darkness and hell. But yet, we look for purpose, for reason, for rhyme, for meaning in it all. What if the meaning really is just having the experience of the journey? And through that experience, we come to greater understanding, about this journey here about this creation that is called the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil it's a tree in the garden of eden god created it so if god created it maybe we're meant to go eat of its fruits to have the experience that comes with that bad apple with the serpent, the ruler of this kingdom, Lucifer, the Lord of this creation. And maybe in that journey and through the fear, it helps to keep us here so that we can traverse (coughs) and wander through it to have experience. Just like there's different levels and depths of the ocean to the ocean floor, and greater levels of darkness and light, the higher you go up. Think of uh, even all the creatures in the ocean and how that even changes as you go deeper. Kill or be killed. Eat or be eaten. That which runs nature here, fight or flight. That moves us along on this path physicality the journey through this creation this world and eventually as we keep moving through that well just like anything eventually we get bored we want to have a different experience so we go on a journey an adventure to discover to have a new experience why do you think we like traveling so much to check out new lands to tour around the world. Why do we find that so exciting or fascinating, (laughs) enjoyable? Believe it or not, those are outer reflections of what we know spiritually within our soul. Because the soul knows, even though it's forgotten, buried in that unconscious is the soul's knowing that it has come out of the realms of spirit, and that this world is not true or real, but it is just on an experiential journey until the day it is bored <laughs> or had enough, experienced all that it needed to experience. And when that time comes, there's an inner knowing. And then we begin now the search for the way out. To begin now a different journey, a new journey, a journey of going within, in, going within to the spirit, rather than out into the world to discover, or to other planets for that matter, the way we're going nowadays. But truly to begin the other journey, to reverse course and to go within so that we begin now swimming up from the bottom of the ocean and on up to the top where it's lighter. And that's the journey, the inner journey of meditation that I already described with the kingdoms and through the different realms. But I'm just giving a different perspective now. And it's really wonderful because the more we can experience rising up, whether it's underneath the water and you swim up higher and higher and you see more of the light and you can breathe, you know, where you start to move, when you get your head above water you can breathe, or whether we're flying and we can go higher in the sky in this greater expansion and freedom that we feel and experience. Those are all reflections of often the soul's experience of the journey of the return back to that spiritual kingdom, the greater expansiveness and freedom, because the soul knows it's beginning to now move out of where it's been imprisoned and trapped. There's an inner knowing, and it begins to wake up in excitement as we know we're getting closer to home. Literally, we get homesick. There's a sickness. But that's just how we feel or experience that greater depth of separation. That's why as we lift up higher in spirit on our way home, we begin to feel better. That that dis-ease, that sickness begins to drop away. We begin to experience healings. Attachments letting go, karma clearing, lessons learned, freedom. We begin to actually see some light. Whether we're rising up through the ocean or we're finding our way through the cave where we've gone so deep into the cave or the tomb, we're now getting closer to the door. So we begin to see the light coming in that's out here, that light of spirit now. As it begins to shine within our consciousness that we can actually begin to see our way, to see where we're stepping. Where before we were tripping and falling around because it was so dark, but now that light, as it comes in the door, we can begin to see where to step. So we don't trip so much. We say so much because if we're not looking where we're stepping, we still can trip. The nice thing is now, Even when we trip and fall, we know we can pick ourselves back up and we can see the direction to go. As they always say, whoever they are, go towards the light. (laughs) Go towards the light. So whether we're deep down in the tomb in the cave and we're just rising up to the first door, the light of spirit is shining in. As soon as we begin to detect it or see it, a part of us just, lights up gets excited because we know we begin to taste and tap into that sense of freedom that comes with that light of spirit that's the beginning of the soul waking up waking up and as that light begins to wake up we sense and know that greater freedom and then we begin to have an inner awareness that motivates us, enthuses us more and more, where now we begin to walk faster towards that door, maybe even begin to run towards that door. because we know with the sense of excitement that through that door is our freedom, where we've been feeling so alone and separate and afraid that we feel the freedom, the joy, as we run towards that light that we see shining in through that door. And then we stop. Then we begin to question. Sometimes we even get afraid of that light because we've gotten so habitualized and used to living in the darkness. We're not sure what's on the other side of that door. Is that light a good light? Is that a light of loving and freedom (coughs) like it feels like? But how can I trust the feelings? Because I've trusted things before and I've gotten hurt turned out bad. I had a bad experience. I got my heart broken. And there now those entanglements or attachments of the past start pulling us back. We're right there at the light, starts to pull us back because of the doubt, the fear, can we trust it? Am I going to get hurt again, get my heart broken again? Or can I actually step through the door and into that light and trust that it is going to be good? So then we take another step. We go, well, it feels good, I think it's good, it looks good, But maybe I'll take baby steps. (laughs) That's a big one nowadays, right? Baby steps. (laughs) I guess too many people ran and tripped and hurt themselves. That's why I guess we're doing baby steps now. (laughs) I used to just run for it and go for it. When did baby steps ever show up? Maybe enough people did that that they maybe ran into the wall or ran into something and got hurt. So they started doing baby steps so they wouldn't hurt themselves. Well, that's not a bad idea. See, I ask questions like that. I go, why do people say baby steps? That's only been more recent. The last few years I started hearing about baby steps. But nonetheless, we are walking or running or little baby steps in the right direction. We do it in such a way that we feel safe, that we can test things out to build that trust, to have faith in our own inner experience and awareness of what seems uplifting and freeing and joyful and loving. And so we just move little by little towards that light until we get to this door now. And then we stop. We pause. And we realize As we look around and look behind us, the journey we've taken just to get here. And then from here, we actually see the light that is shining in, and we can see all this stuff. Now, this trail that we've walked through in our consciousness, and we see that it was a trail up a mountain, and that we are now at the top of a mountain, just as Moses went up to the top of the mountain, saw the burning bush, that light of spirit we see we're at the top of a mountain and what a journey it's been just to get there. And a part of us feels relieved and good because we've gotten this far. We've empowered ourselves. We believe in ourselves now. We feel good about ourselves. Maybe we've learned some self-love and acceptance and forgiveness. But then all of a sudden we realize, I'm at the top of the mountain. I made it. So two things, either ego goes, I made it, I'm everything, I'm God now, and then we turn around and go back down the mountain to preach to everybody. (laughs) We all know people like that, if we're not that person ourselves. (laughs) Or we go, been there, done that. What's beyond this? But one problem, I'm at the top of the mountain, there's nowhere else to go. There's just all the sky, and the sun's way up there. So where, where is there to go now? I've walked the journey to the top of the mountain, but I can't walk through the sky into space or towards the sun. So what do I do? Well, you've heard of the phrase, when a student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, that teacher that appears is that great tour guide that we often call the radiant form or the spiritual teacher that God sends as a messenger of the Holy Spirit. to now assist that soul for the next adventure, the next stage of the journey to be able to now step through the door and beyond the mountaintop because that requires flight. So we need a vessel, a vehicle, a way, a means by which to take flight, to fly beyond the top of the mountain. And that point is also the point now where we, we when we are at that point and we are ready, that God and God's Holy Spirit will truly bring us that great tour guide. I like to say sometimes, the spiritual teacher that'll meet us right here at the top of the mountain, just like when Moses came to the top of the mountain and there was the burning bush and the voice of God speaking with Moses. There it is where God meets us as the Holy Spirit in that radiant form of a spiritual teacher that says, come now, follow me. I can take you now. And therein we receive that initiation are given those sacred names. And therein also is where now that grace, that Action of the Holy Spirit, as Rumi called it, the river of loving, or as we call it here, the path of sound and light, through that sacred name, the sound current and that light of the Holy Spirit is an avenue in which the spiritual teacher has come to you and by which now, as you are, in a sense, retrieved. That you can now begin to step out and into that current of loving by which now that current can take you, the soul, from the top of the mountain and fly you through the sky towards the sun. Because it is through that sun that is this ray of light that comes right here to the seat of your soul. To meet you. That is the radiant form of the Holy Spirit that meets you right here. That when you are ready to take that step, and that ain't a baby step. <laughs> That's the next big step or what's often referred to as the leap of faith where you're literally jumping off that mountain so that now the grace of God or the Holy Spirit can now take you from there and now begin to carry you back to the origin, that sun, where you now begin to fly and that grace of God through the radiant form will carry you into the sun that is the beginning of the merging now into God, that essence of God. And through now that next doorway into the next realm where there's another sun in the next realm where there's another sun until you go through all these realms that I described earlier, until you're in that soul realm where that sun is that we merge into now and begin to really know that full truth of that essence of God of who we are and where we've come from. And that's the greater journey of the liberation of the soul. That truly we speak of and practice here in Inner Light Ministries, and it is an experiential journey. We are not a religion that preaches or converts or evangelizes. That's not what we do here. We simply share about the experiential pathway in process by which to participate with that to have the true spiritual experience for our soul's awakening and liberation to know that truth of who we are and where we've come from and where we are going and it is that journey that we are solely focused on here in Inner Light Ministries we talk about all kinds of things But it always comes around to this focus of soul liberation that we speak of in many different ways, just like I'm doing today. And we'll continue that as long as we live and whoever lives beyond us, physically I'm talking, as we know life is eternal. So I just looked at the clock and realized I've been going for a while. (laughs) As we said, it's easy to keep on going. But with that, I am going to go ahead and give Jim the opportunity to share.